Hi there, it's Henry, and this is Inspiring You, where we talk about tips, tools, and resources in a community on how to heal yourself to transform your life. We all deserve to heal from trauma to find profound freedom and inner peace. This, my friends, is a vibrational experience, a remembering of the truth of who we are. The content is light encoded to assist you on your journey if you wish to receive for your highest good. Welcome to the show, everyone. So today we're going to be talking about permission to quietly quit and try something else. That's right, my friends. So if you haven't heard the concept of quiet quitting, bouncing around social media and on the news, well, let me tell you, um, in some ways I really am all for it if it's really beneficial for your human. So quiet quitting is a means by which you can take back your power, if you will, um, your worth by doing the work explicitly necessary to do the job, to do that job that you were curated and called to possibly do. Quiet quitting is an application of work to rule in which employees work within defined work hours and engage in work-related activities solely within those hours. The motivation and reasons behind quiet quitting appear to really vary among individuals. Some won't take on additional tasks and projects because maybe they are underpaid, burnt out, um, overworked, experiencing work-family conflict, or it could be something else happening behind the scenes in terms of the management. Maybe there's not communicate communication that is um, bringing forth the information on how to uh, clarity on what to do. Could be a lot of different things. So I read this article published on November 2nd, uh, 2022 via WAFB9, where the stats are as follows. One in four workers have quit their job this year or will quit in the next few months. Friends, one in four workers. Wow. A recent Gallup poll found that 60% of people reported being emotionally detached at work and 90% say they are downright miserable. Miserable, my friends. Wow. I have to say, um, when you're in the energy of misery, whoo, it just is such a heavy, dense energy. And if you have more than one person in that in a workplace, it could really flatline um, the energies into a downward spiral, which is one of those situations where you walk into a space and you're like, ooh, this doesn't feel so great in here. Well, it could be because, you know, if 90% are saying that they're downright miserable, how many people in that workplace um, could be in that energy of misery, which means then it's not only in their individual energy field, it's in the collective, and then it's also in the workspace, which means the office space, the land. You get my point, my friends. So, wow, 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 wow. Uh, and then only 33% reported feeling engaged. Only 33%. And we all know what it's like when you don't feel engaged, when you're when you're sort of checking out or bored. Um, 
it, it can feel difficult. It can feel really difficult because then you might feel like you're in the humdrum of um, Groundhog's Day. So a lot of compassion for what we are all moving through in terms of this experience of, you know, figuring out this humaning, this work, life balance, everything. So a new trend has been emerging called quiet quitting. Quiet quitters do exactly what's required. That means not answering emails, texts, or calls at night or on the weekends. And the recent Gallup poll found the main reasons for this trend are unfair treatment at work, unmanageable workloads, lack of respect, inconsistent compensation, and favoritism. So this doesn't surprise me. I almost worked myself to death when I was a producer in television. I was working 18-hour days, sometimes seven days a week, and that would go on for months. I look back now and I have so much compassion for that burnt out, tired zombie of a girl. Whew, girl. My past self, ooh, I just sending you lots of love. Oh, whew. There were years that went by that I lived at work. In fact, there were many times I actually slept in edit bays. Slept in edit bays, my friends. Let's take a moment to process that. So the culture was to live at work. And I loved working in television. But did that mean that I had to, just because I loved working in television, that I had to give up my life for television? So I loved working in television. So but if I didn't do X, Y, and Z, then would I lose my dream job? So I better get on board with abusive ways of working. That really was the narrative and the messaging that was being told again and again and again, whether it was said out loud or implied. And, you know, when you are, when you're somebody who, like I had a dream of working television since I was five years old and I moved myself from Massachusetts to California and I did a series of internships and, you know, and so I was really excited getting into my career and I didn't really understand how to have healthy boundaries because it was so exciting to be in my dream job and I thought, oh, this is what, this is what it is. And everybody's doing it. But is it really okay then? <sighs> you know, at the end of the day, those jobs, those companies, those TV shows, the people who encouraged me to cultivate habits and patterns and programs to overwork, overexert, to not have time to take lunch, dinner, or breaks, to, you know, that it was okay to encourage to sleep in an edipe. They weren't around paying my healthcare bills when I got pneumonia, when I was traumatized on a set by a raging boss and disassociated so hard that it took me months to re-embody. I was left to my own devices, feeling scared, broken, helpless, powerless, hopeless, in pain, physically, mentally, and emotionally. 
but it was the tiredness that was the worst part of all of it. I was so exhausted from going, 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 doing, 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 doing. I was so tired. I barely could even hold myself up. I could barely talk. I was really a zombie. If I went out to dinner with friends, I would just be so happy I was out. But yet I wouldn't really have energy in terms of being able to have conversations. I was at times a zombie mute because I was so tired. And it's just when you're living like that, it's just so unhealthy. And so for me, it was like I woke up one day and huge portions of my life had gone by because I was living to work instead of living to live. Work had become more important than myself. And I realized too, what was the messages that were being told around me was also reaffirming that work was more important than myself. And in order to really get healthy, I had to escape the very environment that taught me to become enslaved to the workplace. I had to walk away from the community that made it permissible to at times mistreat people or abuse people. I can't tell you how many times people put a blind eye to mistreatment. And because I was in the system, I was part of it. I would try to do my best. I would try to do my part to stand up. Yet the system is so broken that it exhausts you. You feel defeated, deflated, and worn out. It wears you down. It, in, in, it isn't okay to put work before a person. The system dehumanizes people. And the system begins to make you feel like you are a, a worker in the mills, a factory line worker on a line. And there is also, there is no right and wrong. There's nothing wrong to in, in, in being a factory worker. That's actually a really, I mean, I have members in my family that worked in factories and mills. But with that, you understand what you are doing. You're signing up to work on a line in a factory. And what is so confusing is when you have a dream of working in, in a certain type of career, you get into the career and you're like, wait a minute. It, it, 
you feel like you're working on a factory line, even though you're not physically in a factory working on a line. The way the system was created in our in our work situation here in, I'll just speak for the U.S., there's a certain way that we have um, enabled our work culture to happen and unfold. And when you are that mill worker on a line and have to produce a certain amount of work on that factory line, or you just or you didn't do your job, so you have to do a certain amount on that line. And if you don't, then you didn't do your job. And there can be a lot of fear that can come into a play. So I miss working in TV, yet I don't miss the ugliness of the system I came out of. I just don't. Because I came out of it unhealthy. I remember being so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed as a 21, 22-year-old gal coming out of college, so excited to enter the workforce. And wow, I had I had just had no idea how broken the work system was. And I guess in some ways being naive probably really helped me because I also, and I also have a lot of optimism too, but I came out of it really unhealthy in body, mind, and soul. And the healing process was difficult, scary, and long. It wasn't overnight, poof, I'm better. The disassociation and trauma from my last couple years in television had me in the grips of work PTSD. I was in shambles. I didn't even recognize myself. I didn't even know where I went. I had to pick up the pieces of myself and rebuild. And it takes determination, stamina, willpower. And it isn't easy. And when I went and when I went through it, there wasn't as much in terms of resources or resourcing that we have now. So I was often alone on my own journey of healing. And I did have spirit guides with me to support for highest good, helping me find the path and the physical reality to be on, yet in the physical world, I was often left to my own devices, solo. And trauma, trauma can be scary and unsettling for the person going through it and the loved ones who feel helpless and unsure on how to help. I look back to the day I walked away from television and it was my own version of quiet quitting. There was a moment where all of a sudden I was just done. I was done. I was done taking the BS. I was done being abused. 
And as I say that, I can just feel some emotion welling up. And it was like you suffer in silence for years. For what? A paycheck? Your paying bills? But then you're getting sick along the way? And then I have more bills because I'm sick and I need then to get healthy? And I got, I became unhealthy in the first place from the work environment. Whew. And it doesn't discount the amazing times though that I did have in the workplace because I did have some great times. And it was amazing being able to be in an aspect of a dream unfolding. Yet the complexity of what we've created here is we've created a space where we encourage people to go for their dreams and it's going to be amazing. Yet we haven't actually cleared up old paradigm, the old system of how we are looking at our work-life balance. We haven't adjusted putting people, putting humanity before money, power, and work. And so what happens then, people get crunched in the broken system. So what the new cycles then are talking about in terms of this quiet quitting, it includes stopping work at quitting time and placing healthy boundaries around work communication while you are off the clock as the job permits. Sorry, though, on-call workers. So if you are an on-call worker, then you have different uh, rules of engagement. Of course, though, you need to do what adheres to requirements of your position and of your personal work ethic, but you do want to check in to see if you have any non-beneficial imbalances in your relationship to work, any non-beneficial programs, any limited beliefs. And some of the limited beliefs could be work hard, play hard, you know, or there could be all kinds of other ones. I had all kinds of limited beliefs on work that I didn't even know I had that kept getting activated. Also, you want to look at any societal conditioning regarding putting work before all. Any non-beneficial patterns that may also be causing you to have a personal work ethic that puts the job before all else. And just because you quiet quit or decide to career transition, my friends, it doesn't mean you don't want to work or that you are lazy. It may just also mean that the energy has shifted out of the job or the career and it's time to follow the energy. I do think it might be time to quiet quit on things that are really overloading in terms of stress and anxiety while giving you almost nothing beneficially in return. 
So if you're getting inundated with stress and anxiety and there's really nothing beneficially in return, like you feel like you're puttering out, then you want to check in. Because getting paid may feel like something, yet if you end up feeling so stressed constantly, extremely exhausted and miserable and wind up sticking getting so sticking with it this this um level of exhaustion you might wind up sick you might wind up with work PTSD or pneumonia or something else and then what you get in return is being paid to become unhealthy and sick Humans can become programmed that this way of living is how it is done when it isn't the actual truth. You're not meant to live your dream job and learn how to become unhealthy and sick. That's not what the universe wants for you in terms of your co-creation. But that's, in a way, a constructed old system that hasn't been cleared in our experience yet. So the guides are constantly talking about what brings you joy? What brings you joy? How do you feel? Are you an effortless flow? If it takes innumerable hours to do something that doesn't really need doing, why are you doing it? Especially if what you put in gets no real beneficial aspects, no real payoff, no recognition, no feeling of satisfaction in your heart, joy in your heart, has no real payoff or just simply steals your time. So, Just things to think about as we were moving into the end of this year, going into the beginning of next year. You know, what do you really want in your life? How do you want it to be set up? You know, now I have, I have different, I actually have, I have boundaries around my work and my job. I made the decision to take back my time and energy. And it wasn't overnight that I was able to just poof, create these, you know, amazing, healthy boundaries. (laughs) It was a process because I am a worker bee and I didn't even understand how much of a worker bee I was until I got myself out of the system to see what was happening to me. And that's where, you know, cultivating and and getting pneumonia and then work PTSD, the benefits of it, you know, getting the, becoming disassociated was probably in some ways, even though it was one of the most challenging things to heal in terms of the trauma, it was probably also one of the biggest gifts I received because of it 
is what was the determining factor to motivate me to want to care for myself above all else. To care for myself more so than the job. That's really what motivated me to take care and love myself. Love myself. Love myself enough that I could give myself permission to quietly quit a dream job that was no longer in harmony to my whole health. So, you know, and it's also an interesting thing with time because time has really sped up. And now that I have healthy boundaries, all those spare minutes are really precious to me. I have all these different hobbies I like to do now. Before, I didn't even have time for hobbies. I didn't even have time to go grocery shopping. And now it's great. I go a couple times a week. And every couple months, I also reassess. And if if what I'm doing doesn't feel in flow or feels more like obligation, then I start to release from things that are no longer beneficial. And I no longer judge it. The energy's just gone out. Something new has emerged. Maybe what I was doing before will come back around at another time, or maybe not. It's the isness. And if I feel guilt when I start letting one, one of them slip or fall off a schedule or detach from one in favor of another, then I use the energy healing tools to clear attachments, imprints. If I have fear of missing out, then I do a dousing for that as well. Clear fear of missing out. You know, and I also just let myself just be in compassion for the experience of humaning. It can become, it's so simple, yet it's so complicated at times because there's a lot of different factors that could be involved. And so for me, for my human When I dive into something, like I am 100% in. I'll commit to something until it's done to my feeling of satisfaction. My My intuitive nature will often give me a truth bell that will feel like, okay, this is in completion. This is, this is good. And that really helped me in working in television, especially when I was um, in charge of, you know, post-production and edits, because when you're editing an episode, you know, you could be futzing around with it for, for a long time because in the art of it, it's, it's, there's always something that could be picked apart to be put back together a different way. Cause it's art in a lot, on a lot of ways. So Um, I would always just ask in working with, um, you know, my higher self and, um, whatever show I was on asking for the highest good of what needed to come through and also to let me know when it was, when it was in full satisfaction of being completed. And so that meant then it wasn't about being a hundred percent perfect per se, that it was okay, this is ready to go out into the world. So when I commit, I really commit. 
the challenge though, for me at times was, you know, it can be, it can be great for a while, but then it can become burdensome as well. So for me, the most challenging part when I shifted from television was actually letting go of the community. I love being part of community. I love community. The micro communities I had created on different TV shows felt like connection. And I have so many incredible memories and I had just, I've just had so many amazing people in my life. Yet there's another side of it though. What I didn't realize is I had trauma bonding with some of my coworkers from extreme situations we were in. So as I was going through my process of career transitioning and, you know, and moving out of some of these communities, because when I decided to career transition and let myself really heal and become healed for whole health, I had to, in some ways, let go of some of the communities in order to heal. And so I had a little bit of like identity aspect in my humaning. Because if I didn't have that connection with them in regard in regards to television, who then who who could I relate who like who could relate to me? And so it was an interesting experience where I was healing work PTSD and then at the same time realizing I had trauma bonding with some of my friends and coworkers from extreme situations. And then at the same time realizing that um, my community elements were shifting and I was questioning, you know, oh, if I'm no longer a reality television executive producer, you know, who am I? And then who could relate to me? Because the path I was choosing at that time was such a different path than, you know, some of my closest friends. And what's interesting is I found that sometimes going out with certain friends from television then that trauma bonding talk was all we did. Just revisit, visited the war stories again and again and again. And at first we would see each other and it would be so great, great to see you. Oh my God, it's amazing. And then next thing you know, all the war stories would be coming out. And it just felt really heavy. And it began to feel like a burden and exhausting. And because I love community and I loved working in television and I love these friends and I'm somebody who really commits, I found it really difficult to say no at first to not only working on TV shows, but also to going out to breakfast, lunch, dinners. Even though I understood at some point that they may end up in some sort of a, you know, dinner, lunch, breakfast, where everyone is just complaining, a complaining fest. 
And I did, I do recognize that this was the trauma talking and this is not the truth of who my friends and coworkers are. It's just the trauma talking. But how many breakfasts, lunch, and dinners do you want to go to where everyone is just so happy initially to see each other, but then it's just complaining about the work situation and it's the mistreatment that people are complaining about and they feel helpless to do anything about it. And they feel like they are, um, imprisoned in this, in this situation that's causing so much, you know, mental, emotional, and possibly physical pain. So feeling the need to quit is hard to come by for those of us who are good at sticking it out. And I'm really good at sticking it out. I'm really good at showing up. I'm really good at sticking out, sticking it out. I'm really good at committing. It's like a challenge to my I can do it mindset. I don't want to, you know, I am um, in elementary school and high school. I was a cheerleader and I loved cheering for the team. And so that's part of the challenge is my I, I can do it mindset. And I love community cheering for the team. But at some point, I just had to really give myself permission to quietly quit out of love, out of love for self, out of love for others. Because when one person decides to heal and be grounded and aligned to allow all those aspects to be healed and the light can shine through, it can give permission to others too. And I want my family, my friends, my coworkers, former, present, future, my neighbors, strangers. I want people to feel good about the life they're living and be excited to share and be in joy and not feel so run down by life and feel so overworked, exhausted, or, or feel like they just need to go out to have decompression dinners because they're so weighed down by the trauma that they need trauma bonding conversations as like a lifeline. There's so much of life to explore. So years ago, I intentionally parted ways with TV to career transition and took time to retreat, to rebuild myself. And let me tell you, just those small quits gave me such relief. And as I was moving through my processing experience and reflecting back on the last couple of years of, you know, what led me to being flat on my back with pneumonia for weeks with 103, 104 temperature, followed then by getting into a situation at work where one of the 
one of my peers was in a rage and I then bore some of the brunt of it and disassociated. As I was processing this, something that I was writing in my journal was, why did I do that to myself? Why was I doing that to myself? Well, to be honest, I realized I was making my mental load so heavy that I had no capacity to dwell on my emotions. If you give yourself a hundred things to juggle, you won't have time to do or think about much else. And when I was able to really acknowledge that, it felt really good. I was caught in the, in the to go, to go, to go, to do, to do, to do, do more, do more, do more kind of thinking. And that mental aspect was really pushing me. And that mental load was so heavy that I had no capacity to dwell on my emotions or to dwell on how my physical body was feeling. And I feel like you can quietly quit with compassion, peace, care, and loving kindness. This doesn't mean that you don't want to work or that you have in or that you have some sort of, you know, unhealthy work ethic or that you aren't able to commit. It just may mean that you're realizing that the energy has shifted from something. So here's some reflection questions to ask yourself. Are you enjoying the work that you're doing? What percentage of it are you enjoying? Because there are moments where sometimes with work, you're figuring something out or you're like, oh, but that could actually be part of the creative process. And so you may need, so you might want to just discern between, you know, sometimes that like, oh my God, I don't know the answer to this. And you're figuring something out versus, oh, I'm just not happy. How are you feeling? And then what does commitment mean to you? Why does someone commit to something? Do you prefer to be on a team of people who are committed to the team? You know, nearly everyone can explain commitment in some way. And with some of my clients, here are some of the answers I hear. I hear the word Dedication, effort, tirelessness, passion, hard work, determination. So we commit to things because they are important to us, because they feel some, some great need or help us do something we feel strongly about. We're being called to a path, following the energy. The old definition from old paradigm, old earth, being committed to something means you will exert great energy and time to accomplish it. 
in old paradigm, we want people on our teams who are just as committed as we are because we want them to expend great energy and time to help us accomplish something that we strongly desire. But the thing is, my friends, everyone has a uniqueness. And so in creating a team, it is recognizing how to collaborate and also realizing we need flexibility to allow each person to have balance and harmony in all aspects of life. And if one person's strengths, skills are in one area and they have effortless flow in that area, then another team member may not be working as much during that time because the baton has been given to a different team member. So why does each person have to work the same hours if it isn't their area of specialty? And the challenge is we have these beliefs that if I work this hard and spend this much time, then so must you. Then it can set people up for disappointments in the workplace. Why didn't so-and-so contribute as much? I did most of the work. I feel we have old paradigm systems in place in regards to the lens that so many are looking at with work. And as you can tell, I feel really passionate about this subject matter. (laughs) So in terms of commitment, just because you decide to leave a job doesn't mean you aren't being able to be committed. If you are really burnt out, you may need a bridging job with less responsibility. That's right. You may need that. You may need that to recoup and that's okay. Let yourself do that. So where are you in regard to commitment? Do you want to do things that you are committed to? And I've seen so many people automatically say, yes, of course we do. But what if the human has some limited beliefs or sabotaging mechanism that is ready to awaken upon starting a project? Are you ready to deal with the human on this? I look at making commitments now as making as making a commitment to self-growth in any situation my human may be in for the highest good. So if my human is learning, growing, and in cooperation with a group, the commitment can mean time spent, effort, doing whatever it takes to grow, learn, and allow the human to be part of the work being done for the highest good. And the thing is, if it is beneficial for the human and the human is connected to higher self and inflow on divine design, the job was manifested in the energy of love. It is going to feel effortless and not like work. Yet if the job was created and manifested from fear, lack, exhaustion in old paradigm work systems, then it will probably be and sound like a lot of hard work. And if the company is operating from that old paradigm, then it may feel difficult and heavy. So are you in the old system of doing and working? Are you sure you wouldn't rather do something easy and effortless? And before you really answer, just take time to reflect. And I know that people say, I want to do something I'm passionate about, something important, something that really matters. That is on purpose. 
friends. That's Those are all great answers. But what you want to check in though is when you're manifesting, are you manifesting out of the energy of love or the energy of fear? Because if you are in fear, then when that manifests, it's going to feel a lot different than if you were in the energy of love and manifesting. Are you also in old paradigm or new paradigm? And also remember, just you being here, you are on purpose. You are light and physical form. So you are already living your purpose. And the other question is then, what do you want to co-create with the universe for the highest good? And the universe wants to create with you. So the energy that the company was created in does matter and it can affect workflow. Everyone who's ever worked in a business can tell you about the people who do the absolute minimum to keep their job. There have been many labels for the for people across the years, such as disengaged or those who quit and stay. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anybody remembers. I, I love watching television. So on Seinfeld, George Costanza created a nap pod beneath his desk on Seinfeld. And everyone since then has been aware of this phenomenon. So as I began to investigate and research more and more on this newest label of quiet quitting, I saw how some in the business world were labeling this as much more dangerous than someone who is simply doing the minimum to get by in a job they don't like. It seems that some who are promoting the concept are advocating for not simply doing the minimum in the job, but in life. One proponent, one proponent described it as quitting the idea of going above and beyond. So I actually found that really interesting to understand the lens in which some humans are perceiving this because I don't look at it at all like that. And I was like, oh, that's really curious. And I'm just curious in human behavior and I'm curious on different perspectives that are being put out there. So even the way people even the way people are spoken about, I heard one quote while listening to a talk. There are numerous and established practices for dealing with low performance in their jobs. There is no new risk here for businesses, but there is tremendous risk to an individual who's lulled into the false notion that they will be happier if they stop. I mean, does anybody hear how people are being talked about? It's just so de like it's just taking out the humanity of it. We speak as if the business was humanity dealing with low performers. If people are low performers, what is happening? Like what is really going on in the workplace? Is it a is it an environment that has a lot of just difficult situations? Is it a depressed work situation happening that is causing lack of motivation? Is the person in a job that isn't beneficial? Did something happen to cause low performance? Or has the energy shifted and the work been complete yet the person is still there? Like where is the compassion and the care in talking about the people who are doing the work instead of making the work and the business more important than the people. Because then you're making the work more important than the people and the money more important than people, the power more important than people and keeping people in this enslaved state to work. 
people, what are we doing here? So I just ask to be more, to plant the seeds of curiosity. What is really happening in the workplace? And, and how can you be a bridge of light to support engaging with people in a beneficial way that can support not only yourself, but also them and the business and the workplace and also uh, helping out humanity as we move along? So at some point in our lives, many are drawn to the idea of a life spent in pursuit of something more beneficial, meaningful, something that feels free, enjoy, abundant, while feeling effortless, and desiring to be totally absorbed as we passionately are in the manifestation of our dreams unfolding and feeling of being something, a part of something bigger than we are. We intrinsically know that fulfillment in life means allowing ourselves to be in our possession to be in our passions. We intrinsically know that fulfillment in life means allowing ourselves to be in our passions, our strengths, to do something we love and that will hopefully have a positive impact on us and those around us. So when we lead like love like that, the manifestation of our impact will outlast our lifetimes because we are co-creating a new paradigm of how to live in regards to work. The challenge that most of us face isn't that we have lost the desire to commit wholly to something. It may be that the human has never personally discovered what is worthy of that commitment. And my friends, it is never too late to discover your purpose. And it is certainly Never too late to begin making choices that help you be in that purpose unfolding for highest good. When we start living a life that is filled with meaningful activities or even better, an understanding of the meaning of our activities, we will have endless supply of energy to continually go above and beyond. And my friends, that is something worthy of committing to. So, if you are experiencing the ph phenomenon currently known as quietly quitting, I encourage you to think about how you can create a personal beneficial mission with care, love, joy, harmony, grace to support you in your co-creation of your intention for your life from this moment on moving forward to also give you focus. It's one of the most powerful ways you can support taking charge of your, your life, your work, your relationships, and also where you want to move forwards to. So here are some steps in creating a personal mission statement for your intentions. Number one, what are you passionate about? What brings you joy? Determine what brings you joy, what you're passionate about. What are parts of life what parts of life get you excited? What do you really value? What really upsets you? Figure out the things in life that you will pursue out of passion and require no external motivators. Number two, what are you good at? What is effortless and easy to you? 
Determine what you're good at. What comes naturally to you? What are areas of your areas of strength? You're more likely to stick with something that requires you to use your natural gifts and build upon them. Because then you love your natural gifts and it's exciting for you to use them. And then you're also growing them. Three, determine what is it that you want in terms of your legacy? What do you want in terms of leaving this space? What do you want people to think about you? How do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be described? This human life is amazing. And its impact is ultimately determined by how our actions impact others. So take keywords and phrases from the answers to these questions and then craft a statement that is memorable and meaning to you. That is your personal mission. And once you have it, you'll measure anything in your life against it to determine if it's something worthy of doing. So let's take a moment now to do a mindful Reiki meditation. Let's do some clearing of any kind of non-beneficial energies or anything that may have come up as I have been talking about uh, permission to quietly quit. So my friends, let's have you find a comfortable meditation position right now. I invite you to either sit down, you can stand, you can lay down, find your comfortable position. And when you are ready, I invite you to lower your gaze, close your eyes, take three deep breaths, breathing in life force energy, breathing out what no longer serves you, breathing in life force energy, breathing out what no longer serves you, breathing in life force energy, breathing out what no longer serves you. Let yourself begin to soften your face. Relax your shoulders. And focus on your breath. Breathe in as deeply as you can. And then hold it. And then breathe out slowly. And let's repeat it again two more times. Breathe in as deeply as you can. Hold your breath and then breathe out slowly. One more time. Breathe in as deeply as you can. Hold it and then breathe out slowly. Okay, so now imagine yourself holding an enormous beach ball. It fills your arms broadly and is much too big to see over. It's transparent. You can see inside of it. 
inside of it is something or some emotion you've been avoiding. What is it? What are you avoiding? Why are you avoiding it? Recognize and appreciate that the ball has nicely encapsulated this thing that you are avoiding. Unfortunately, you can't hold the ball forever. You can't even really see where you're going. You can, however, imagine the best possible resolution to dealing with this thing and allow yourself to imagine the best possible resolution through to fruition for the highest good. How would it feel to have it properly dealt with? How would it feel to put your arms down? To see clearly again? Take three more deep breaths while you imagine the solution being downloaded to you for your highest good and the resolution entering the ball as you exhale. Breathing in, breathing out. Breathing in, breathing out. With each exhale, the ball gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it is finally too big to hold. Give yourself permission to let it go. Let yourself let go of the ball. It's going to float away from you, higher and higher and higher, until you lose sight of it. Eventually, the ball is going to begin falling back down. You can either up to catch it again, Or let it fall. You can let the ball fall. And when the ball falls, the resolution will begin. Are you ready to let it fall? If so, let it. And let yourself receive the downloaded wisdom, the information, the solution, the resolution that is there already waiting for you to let go, to allow you to receive it. Let yourself receive it now, here, now for the highest good and gratitude. Friends, here's to quietly quitting. Here's to peace and joy. Heart happiness, groundedness, and alignment. Much love, light, and Reiki blessings, everyone. Have a beautiful day.